Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. A few weeks ago, I had done an episode called Getting the Gospel Wrong. And if you haven't checked that out, I would suggest listening to it. In this particular episode that I did, I shared a clip from Vody Bauckham, and I really enjoy listening to his teaching. I've gleaned a lot from it. And if you haven't heard of him, I, I suggest that you uh, look into him as well and check out the, the things that he's ministered on. He does some excellent expositional preaching. He does also some ministering on the current climate uh, of our culture and the things that are going on and addressing them from a biblical standpoint. And he's very bold in those and tells the truth and does not mince words about it. And I love that about his ministry. One of the clips from a particular a sermon that he did, he talked about discipleship and the gospel in this uh, sermon, and it's an excellent sermon all the way through. But there is one particular clip that caught my attention, and I really have listened to it multiple times over and over again for days because when I sit and meditate on it, it's so convicting. And I want to share some personal things with you from that, and also to go mainly to the word today and talk about as we normally do going to scripture. And this topic may seem very simplistic, but it's something that many of us may miss is saying that Jesus is Lord. You know, there's a lot of people that claim Christ. They claim to know Jesus Christ. But just using those terms or that verbiage does not mean that it's the the Jesus Christ that's testified of in Scripture. There are many other religions and such that have their own Jesus, but there's only one Jesus, only one true gospel that's found in the Bible. And so this is why we need to make sure that we understand the truth of the Word of God. And part of being a true believer in Christ is acknowledging that He is not only Savior, but He is Lord. And and what does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to take you to a few references I found online that will be helpful to you. And we're going to look a lot at Scripture. But first, I want to play this clip for you from Vody. The music in the background, I did not do this, but I just found this clip from this particular sermon that I'd listened to, but very powerful, very convicting, very thought-provoking. See if it causes you to think about some of the things that maybe you've said out of your mouth before about your faith in Christ. I didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose me. Amen? I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. I didn't make Jesus my Lord. If you make him your Lord, then that means you're Lord because you told your Lord what to do. Huh? You acknowledge Jesus' lordship. You don't bequeath lordship on Jesus any more than you bequeath kingship to a king. King, I'm going to make you my king. Really? Because I've been your king. How are you going to make me your king? I'm the king. Who do you think you're talking to? Jesus is Lord. You acknowledge that. You receive that. You bow to that. You, you don't make that happen. You don't declare that. In your repentance and faith, you repent of your sin. And part of your sin is a failure to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to that. The first time I heard that part of the sermon, it really was convicting because I know out of my own mouth, I've said at times, oh, I have, I have made Jesus my Lord, or I have been in services where people, and it may, it may be an unintentional thing, not even thinking about it, but saying, who, who here wants to make Jesus their Lord? 
When you and I look in scripture, we're going to find that we don't make Jesus Lord. And and so again, it may be a simplistic thing to talk about, but especially as we're in this time of year where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah, and what that what that means to us as believers in Christ and what that meant in the time that Christ was born, what that meant. I think this is one thing that we really need to meditate on or ponder on as Christians. Jesus is Lord. We confess that Jesus is Lord. There are scriptures that don't, they never tell us, you know, that you invite Jesus into your heart or that you make Jesus Lord, but he is already Lord. And I love that Vody says that, but I never contemplated that really. And I, and that sounds so silly when I think about it now, but I never contemplated that. That there is a difference between saying, well, I make Jesus my Lord, but I acknowledge Jesus as Lord because he already is. Uh, In Acts chapter 2 verses, we're going to read verses 34 through 36 to start with. I'll, I'll go here and then we'll talk a little bit about what that means that Jesus is Lord. This is when Peter on the day of Pentecost is ministering to those that have heard the miraculous sign of, to the unbeliever, by the way, according to 1 Corinthians 14, they've heard the the exaltation of God, the telling of his good works and such by those, by the Galileans that should not know these, these foreign languages. I believe there's 16 different nations that the, heard their own dialect, their own language from the Galileans. And so this was a sign to unbelievers. This was actual speaking in tongues. Well, right after this, Peter gives the first message, many people say the first sermon for the early church. And he's talking to these unbelievers, 3,000 come to Christ because of him preaching the gospel, God piercing their hearts and convicting them of what he said. But beginning in Acts chapter 2, verse 34, it says, For David did not ascend into heaven, the heavens, this is what Peter's saying, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now he is actually quoting Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm, uh, he's quoting Psalm 110, verse 1. Several times, this is one of the most, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the most quoted Old Testament verses in the New Testament. This is when David is singing this in this psalm, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Well, David's not talking about himself. So it goes on, uh, Peter says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, which is Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. And verse 37 says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Again, we see that the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, there are several passages. We can't go to all of them today, but there are some I've I've found as I'm looking through scripture and doing some studying, a little bit of digging, as far as referring to Jesus as Lord and and what that means, because it had, it can have a couple of different meanings. It can refer to being a supreme authority, uh, a master. 
and in the New Testament and some of the the study Bibles that I have and and some of the um, commentaries that I have, there are references that in the New Testament after the resurrection, that this was a reference to the fact that Jesus was in fact God, that it was it was signifying and sealing the fact that he was confirming his his deity, that Jesus is Lord. And we'll look at a couple of those passages, too. But I want you to think about this. Have you ever said out of your mouth, and, and maybe again, it was it's a sincere thing, and you may think, well, this is just semantics, or it's just, you know, this is really a trivial thing to think about, but you, we need to be thinking about this, because when we say that we make Jesus our Lord, I agree with what Vodi is saying, because when we make Jesus our Lord, it's that we're basically saying we're Lord and that we're bequeathing lordship to him. And nowhere in scripture are we told to do that. But some of us have done that in sincerity and going, well, I've made Jesus my Lord. Sincerely wanting to say maybe that instead we should say, maybe I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Maybe that's what we're meaning to say is that. Or maybe we're thinking that we have to make Jesus our Lord. But regardless, when we look at what scripture has to say, Jesus is already Lord. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we can't make him the king. We can't make him the Lord. We don't do that. God does that. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, that it says that God has made Jesus both Lord and Savior. This is very important for us to understand this because it may help. It may really help us in our understanding of who Christ is. So that way we have a better understanding. And in that understanding, we can comprehend to some degree in our finite human minds what it means for Jesus to be both Lord and Savior. There are people that will acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, but part it says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, meaning that Jesus is God, and not only that, but that he's, he's our master, you know, scripture talks about that we are no longer as, as believers, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness, that we belong to Christ. Our, we were bought at a price. Corinthians talks about this. We were purchased at a price, and that was the price of the blood of Christ, God's own blood. Acts testifies of this, that it was God's own blood that was spilled. So Jesus is Lord. We are to acknowledge that as believers in Christ and, and what that means. There's a, a particular website I like to go to from time to time when I have questions. It's called gotquestions.org. Isn't that clever? And I, I was typing in and looking this up. So I was saying, you know, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? And there was a couple of different articles I found on there. I'll put the links in the bottom. I'm also going to put the link to the full uh, sermon that Vody did on this because it's excellent teaching. I encourage you to listen to it. But in, in this particular article, this first part, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? They talk about this, that um, generally speaking, and I actually looked this up in a Greek lexicon that I have to look at the actual Greek word and what it meant, because I like to do that so that I have a better understanding just for my personal understanding. But the particular Greek word that was used in, for example, Acts 2.36, talking about the Lordship of Christ, it means that he is supreme in authority, that he is Lord and Master. And in this article on here on gotquestions.org, it talks about this as well. It says, generally speaking, a Lord is someone with authority, control, or power over others. To say that someone is Lord is, con is to consider that person a master or ruler of some kind. In Jesus' day, the word Lord was often used as a title of respect toward earthly authorities. When the leper called Jesus Lord in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, he was showing Jesus 
respect as a healer and teacher. But it goes on to talk about that after the resurrection, and again, again, I've seen this in several different commentaries and study Bibles, and I encourage you to do your own study as well. It's very important that you do that in your own time to make sure that you're being a student of the Word and not just listening to someone else spoon feed you things, but that you're also being a student of the Word as well and growing in your relationship with Christ and in your fellowship and doing that through the one way is through the Word of God. However, after the resurrection, the title Lord as applied to Jesus became much more than a title of honor or respect. Saying Jesus is Lord became a way of declaring Jesus is deity. And one example that's used is in John chapter 20, verse 28. Remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, many of us, so many of us like to say things about Thomas. And really, we are doubters too at times. We are not full, completely full of of confidence and in such our faith is in Christ. Certainly if faith is not an energy force, it's not a, um, a thing that we focus on, but our faith is in, is, is focused on the object who is Christ. We don't focus on our faith. Our faith focuses on Christ. So our faith is in Christ to save us and to give us the promise of eternal life. But we see about Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas, Thomas, who also was martyred in India, by the way, for the sake of Christ. But Thomas is, in John chapter 20, it's after the resurrection, Jesus comes into the room, he and the, the, the disciples are hiding because they don't know what's going to happen to them after the resur- after the, the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, Jesus's body has disappeared. And so now he and he's resurrected, he's revealing himself to them. He comes in the room in John chapter 20, and he tells Thomas to, to touch his hands and to put his hand in his side, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. We've talked about this before in another podcast about the crucifixion of Christ and the fact that that hole um, where the, the spear went in must have been pretty significant for him to stick his whole hand in his side. But Thomas sticks does this. He sticks his hand in his side and 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 witnesses these things, and it's after the resurrection. And what is Thomas's reaction what his response should we say? Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. So from then on, according to this article on gotquestions.org, it says from then on, the apostles message was that Jesus is Lord, meaning Jesus is God. Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost contained that theme as we read just a minute ago in Acts chapter two, verse uh, 36. He also talks about in Cornelius's house that Jesus is Lord of all Acts chapter 10, verse 36. We've talked, mentioned about Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that Jesus' lordship is linked to his resurrection, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is where our faith rests. This is where our faith comes from. It's in Christ. Again, it's not an energy force. It's not um, it's not an electrical current. <laughs> it's it's not a uh, it's not anything else. But our faith is focused on Christ. Again, there can be some semantics in that as well. When people talk about faith, they're talking about it in a completely different way. That it's almost like a system that you manipulate in order to get things from God. But our faith is ultimately that Christ has saved us from the wrath of God. That He has given us the promise of eternal life. And the glorious promise of being resurrected with him and glorified with him, spending eternity with him. And he has authority. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Um, He is our only sovereign and Lord. And he is Lord of Lords, as we've already said, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
So saying all of this, we can look at different scriptures as we've, we've looked at a couple already in Acts and in Romans. Let's go to, since it's uh, approaching the time of Christmas, I was very curious and wanted to look up a few other passages to see, okay, what other passages can we go to that will reference Jesus as Lord or tie in with that? One thing that I would suggest to you, if we're doing a Bible study, you can find online one that I like to use. It's a really simple one. It's called BibleHub.com, but it will list um, when you look up a particular verse in a search engine, like I did, I look, for example, I looked up Acts chapter 2, verse 36 in a search engine, and I like to click on Bible Hub. It will list several different translations. There's also cross-references that are mentioned, which is very helpful. And so when I look down through here at the cross-references, uh, one of the ones that was uh, interesting to me was in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is the angel talking to the shepherds and telling them not to be afraid. Jesus is Lord. So in saying Jesus is Lord, according to gotquestions.org on here, they word it really beautifully, so I'm going to read it. It says, quote, In saying Jesus is Lord, we commit ourselves to obey him. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And that's referencing Luke chapter 6, verse 46. An acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship is logically accompanied by a submission to Jesus's authority. If Jesus is Lord, then he owns us. He has the right to tell us what to do. And that's offensive to some people because we don't like thinking about that. There are some people that tend to like that, that may tend on the side of thinking, oh my, you know, Jesus is my lover. And me saying that now actually kicks my gag reflex in a little bit because when people, including myself, the way I used to view my relationship with Christ, when we view him in such a way, and we're focusing more on what we believe is intimacy with Christ, we tend to devalue without maybe realizing it. We tend to devalue who Jesus really is. And he's not our pining boyfriend. He's not our pining lover that's really just uh, begging for us to, to want him. That's not who he is. He came as the Messiah. He came to the first time not to judge, but he came to, he came to bring the gospel. He came to bring the gospel, the good news. He came to bring the good news of salvation. He came to bring the good news of repentance, that the kingdom of heaven was at hand because he had come. He came the first time to do that and he's coming again and he's going to be coming to fulfill the justice of God because he's a just God. And so when we talk about this, the lover of our, he is the lover of our souls, but there can be this, um, this uh, irreverence, if you will. And I know that some people are really not going to like hearing that if they do hear this. Now, some people may agree with me when they hear this, but there can be an irreverence that may be not intentional, but when you start talking about, well, I just want to just climb, I just want to, you know have this intimate relationship with the Lord and that he is just, we view him more in a, in a, the relationship we have with people that we know in the earth or with our spouse or things. And we look at it in a more, more romantic type way, I guess we, then we're crossing a boundary here that it becomes irreverent. Jesus is our Lord. He's our savior. He's also our Lord. And we cannot forget that we are to submit to him, 
There's a reason why in scripture that there are mentionings, you know, in Ephesians 5, when it talks about husbands and how they're to treat their wives and how wives are to conduct themselves before their husbands. There's a reason why that there is that analogy used there in order to demonstrate who Christ is to the church. There's a reason for that. And part of that reason is we are to submit. And this is one of the things that this article talks about and scripture talks about above all things. It doesn't matter what another man says or woman says, but scripture is pointing to this. It's talking, it's talking about what we acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We're acknowledging that he is our master for one thing, that he is our supreme authority and that he owns us. He has every right to tell us what to do. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We are not our own. Is that not what scripture tells us? When we say Jesus is Lord, we truly are believers in Christ. Then we must acknowledge the fact we are, we are not making Jesus our Lord, but we are acknowledging that he is Lord, that he is our master. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to righteousness. We, we belong to Christ. Jesus is God. He has supreme authority over all things. First um, Corinthians chapter 12, verse three says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So faith in the Lord Jesus is required for salvation. It is according to Acts chapter 16, verse 31 it says there. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household. So this is very important. This is part of our uh, our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of just saying the name of Jesus. There are stipulations in here that are based in scripture that demand us to recognize this is who Jesus is. You don't make him Lord. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. We'll talk about the, a little bit of an article with that. Can we make Jesus our Lord? Uh, the answer we've already the answer to that question is we've already answered it and is no, but I want to read a little bit of this article to you on this same website because it's very helpful to us. Philippians chapter two, I want to go there for just a moment. Beginning in verse nine tells us this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I actually have down here a reference. I wrote it down in my Bible, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23. So I'm going to flip there for just a minute and read that to you and see what that says, because a lot of times that you're going to see that Paul and others were referencing the Old Testament. So Isaiah 45, verse 23 says, By myself I have sworn, for my mouth has gone out in righteousness, that a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. So this was a, a reference that Paul was, it seems that Paul was uh, quoting and could be cross-referenced to in the Old Testament, Isaiah forty-five twenty-three, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And they will confess that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. When I looked up on Got Questions about Jesus being Lord, one of the questions that popped up in one of the articles they wrote was, how do I make Jesus Lord of my life? I love what they say in this beginning. So let me read this to you. It says, the key is understanding that Jesus is already Lord of your life. We do not make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. What we are supposed to do is submit to his Lordship. And that's what Vodi was saying. In part of our repentance, in our faith in Christ, we are acknowledging our sin in not realizing that Jesus is Lord. Because we have, prior to 
um, coming to saving faith in Christ, we believe we are the Lord of our lives, right? That we have the say in our lives, that we don't, we don't submit to anybody. Like we submit, we submit our will to ourselves, but as Christians, we don't do that. We're told, no, you actually don't belong to yourself. You don't get to call the shots here. And and I'm not talking about simplistic things in your life, in your day-to-day life that you need to pray and ask God about, you know, what shirt to wear. And, and you know, we can get, it can get off into the weeds. And in the hyper-charismatic church, there are people that actually do that. You know, can I buy this candle? Can I buy this? Where do I go to get a turkey? Where do I go to get, you know, ham? Where do I, you know, what store should I go to? I understand we want to be led by the Spirit, but sometimes it gets into this, a weird place that we're to just live our lives out for, for Christ. And when we are talking to someone, then we, we realize this is a, a, a time that we can share the gospel. We don't have to get mystical about it. It doesn't need to get to that point. So we do not make Jesus Lord. Jesus is already Lord. And I, and it really convicted me of how I have thought about that and even conveyed that in the past of saying that I made Jesus my Lord and Savior that's not that's not congruent with what scripture says to do because if i can make jesus my lord then i've really made a god of my own making of my own fashioning right so and also hearing people say other things I, i've heard over the years i've heard people say and i've said these things too god forgive me for saying things a- along the lines of this is that god is going to prove that he is who he says he is well he's already done that or that God needs me, God needs, or somebody will say, God told me that he needs me to, in order for this next move, God doesn't, God does not need of you. He is all sufficient and he doesn't need you and he doesn't need me as we've talked about before in other episodes. But hearing people say that or, or my own coming out of my own mouth or on my own posts, I look at some of my older posts and uh, that come up sometimes in social media. And I just want to, I, I can't even describe to you some of the things that I see. And I, I'm so uh, repulsed by some of the things I used to write. And at the same time, I go, God, thank you for opening my eyes now to understanding the error of my ways and being so gracious. But hearing people say that God will show through people how powerful he is or that he is in need of us or that he's going to prove that he's that he's God. No, he's already done that through his word. And so we need to make sure that what we're saying lines up with scripture. Even if we're being sincere about it, we can be in sincere error (laughs) in saying things. And so we need to make sure that what we are believing and what we're saying is lining up with what is testified of in scripture. The Holy Spirit is not going to contradict that. And and even, you know, I would even challenge if people say, well, the Holy Spirit was the one speaking that through me. Well, then you need to be testing that spirit that just spoke through you because the Holy Spirit is not going to contradict what he inspired men of God to write that's in the inspired word of God, which is scripture. We don't make Jesus our Lord. And what we are supposed to do is submit to his lordship. Again, I I am going to reiterate that. We are to submit to his lordship because he is Lord. We are in submission to him. We are to yield to the will and the control of another. And with reference to Christians, it is yielding to the will and control of Jesus Christ. And this means that when scripture commands believers to love one another, that is what is to be done. Uh, When we are told in scripture that we are not to lie, we're not to steal, we're not to commit adultery, we're not to covet, we're not to worship anything else but God. We and we when we follow those instructions, when we are following Christ in that, we are submitting to his authority. That's part of that. That's part of our walk with Christ. 
that we are submitting and we are being obedient to the commands of God. And, and this is related to our maturity in belie- as believers in Christ. So a person becomes a Christian by faith alone in Christ apart from works. The works do not make us Christians. As I've said before, and I know that other people have said this too, we are not made, we are not saved by good works, but we are made for good works. And, you know, James testifies of this. Um, Ephesians will, will tell us this as well, that we're not saved by the works, but that we're created. Ephesians 2.10 talks about that we are God's workmanship created for good works. So as believers, we do good works, not because we know it saves us. It's because we are submitted to a Lord and Savior who instructs us in the ways that we should walk. And as believers who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, because there is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God with those that do have the Spirit and those don't have the Spirit, depending on what kind of tongue they use, whole other topic that I've talked about before, but it's still an ongoing debate with some people today that try to make this distinction between those that have the Spirit and don't have the Spirit. If someone does not have the Spirit of God in them, they're not born again. Well, let's just lay that out there right now. Anybody that tries to say, well, that person doesn't have the Spirit of God because they don't speak in tongues, that's a misunderstanding of Scripture for one thing. And second of all, to say that, that a, a brother or sister in Christ does not have the Spirit of God like you do, then you are basically saying they're not born again. Because at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell believers. He is the He seals us with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee of our salvation. Again, I know I'm taking some rabbit trails, but there are lots of things that can be said that are so misconstrued, and then we create this hierarchy of people. But that's not how this works. <laughs> and as Christians, we acknowledge Jesus is Lord. That's one of the main things we're talking about today. Jesus is Lord. We're confessing that he is the Lord of our lives. He is not our boyfriend. He's not some pining lover sitting in the corner waiting for us to write a romance novel about our relationship with him and to, you know, have all these un, un or have all these irreverent uh, sayings and these mystical thoughts and, and such that are going into like the, the quote spiritual ether in order to uh, prove that God is who he says that he is. He does not need our help proving who he is. The scripture testifies of who he is. He is God. Jesus is Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only way that we can have eternal life through by grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Period. End of discussion. End of story. We can see this in Scripture. It's very plain, very clear. If we would just read Scripture, we would see that and understand it in context. So we have to, we should realize, we should realize that this complete obedience cannot be accomplished simply by willing it to be done or in the strength of one's inner being. Um, It's not because, simply because we decide to do it. This is because we are prone to sinful conduct. Uh, this, this, I'm reading from this article on Got Questions. This is, again, I think it's going to be helpful to some people. It says, quote, this is because even believers are prone to sinful conduct and thoughts apart from the work and power of the Holy Spirit. In order to be obedient, we must rely on the power provided by the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17, which says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We are commanded in Ephesians 5.18, if you haven't listened to that podcast about um, that I said I'm spirit-filled without tongues, you can 
feel free to check that out and hear about uh, digging through scripture and learning what it truly means to be spirit filled. Ephesians 518 talks about this, about being filled with the spirit. And that is more of a reference alluding to spiritual maturity. It's an ongoing process. Being filled with the spirit is yielding to the spirit's control. This happens as a believer responds positively to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This does not mean feeling one is being led into full-time Christian ministry and obeying that feeling, although this may be part of it. But it it refers to the day-to-day decisions we make, such as responding kindly to someone who has mistreated us, uh, being truthful in our communication with others, being honest in our business dealings, spending time in prayer, and studying God's Word as we are commanded. Those are a couple of examples there that that you can see, but that's part of being spirit-filled and and about, you know, not walking in the works of the flesh, but being led by the Spirit and cultivating the fruit of the Spirit and growing in spiritual maturity. That's an ongoing process that we're continuously going through as we're walking in this world and we're trusting the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're trusting in our faith in Christ alone to save us and to give us the promise of eternal life. An even more encouraging thing that's a, uh, for a reminder for us in, as believers in 1 John 1, 9, there is a provision that if we remain in fellowship with Christ, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. This is part of the submission and obedience to God, by the way, being a, a, to Jesus as Lord, who is our master and who is God. Jesus is God is to confess our sins to God so that we can remain in fellowship with him. It is, it is vital that when, uh, when these things happen to us, that we should pray. We need to ask the Lord to help us to make the right choices and that we are to obey what we already know the word tells us to do. You know, as, as parents, we will tell our children, it's very important to not only listen, but to obey. I don't know if you say that to your children, but I do that um, often. <laughs> And I have to remind myself, too, as a believer in Christ, I'm to listen and to obey God. Sometimes we have the listening part down or we'll say, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this, said this to your children or someone else, but you'll say, well, I know you heard me, but you're not listening because there's a different part. There's there's a difference between hearing and listening. Right. In just a natural aspect. So, I, you know, I tell you, tell your children this, you know, you need to not only listen, you not only need to hear and listen to what I just said, you need to obey it. What's well, the same thing with us as believers? We are children of God when we know Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are adopted as sons of God into the family of God. We are citizens of heaven now. We are in we are adopted because of Christ, because of our faith in Christ. And as children, we are told to listen and obey. We don't have free reign over everything. We can't act crazy and do whatever we want to. We, we submit to God and we submit to Christ because he is God. He is God. So the Lordship of Christ, it, it does not, as this article says, it does not consist of one act of obedience, but rather is measured by the sum of our obedience. And it cannot be accomplished in our own strength or power, but by the power available to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit, we are strongest when we are relying on him. And that's uh, referencing 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Now, I'm sure that there are other scriptures that we could have looked at to point us back to Jesus as Lord. And again, I encourage you to do your own Bible study on this, to look into this as Jesus being Lord. There's no end to this as far as our understanding in scripture that there are Old Testament and New Testament passages that, that point to this truth, the truth of Jesus being Lord. And we need to remember that that is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not simply enough for someone to use the same verbiage and say the name of Jesus Christ, but then their whole belief of who Jesus was is not the one is not the Jesus of the Bible. And it is also not enough just to say the name of Jesus Christ, but but deny his lordship, to deny that he is my master, he is not only my savior, but I am to submit to him. I am to submit to what his word says about him and to submit to his instruction and to submit to his leading. And that leading, by the way, is not what you want. It is not what your des- earthly desires are. It is not what you say the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, but there's nowhere in scripture that it, that, 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 that can be tested that the, what the Holy Spirit is saying that. You know, sometimes things are ascribed to the Holy Spirit that he did not author that we are saying that it's him when really it's our sinful or our fleshly desires that are doing it. And it may not even be something that's bad. It's just something that we've gotten in our minds that that's what the Holy Spirit said. But then we're not submitting to scripture. If we take it back to scripture, scripture doesn't support that. But Jesus is Lord. That's what we've got to make sure that we have a full understanding of that we are acknowledging his lordship and that we're not making Jesus Lord. And I hope that that was uh, encouraging to you to listen to that. It's it's convicting to listen to that type of ministering going on, but it's really thought provoking. And true ministry through the word of God should provoke you to go back to the word and make sure to test yourself, to make sure that you're in the faith, to make sure that you are walking in the truth. And when you realize that there's error, that you go to, you have a high priest. There's a reason why we have also, he's the, he's, he's prophet, priest, and king. And we have a high priest in heaven who is Jesus Christ, who is, who is ever interceding for us, who is interceding for us before the Father. Why, on, why in the world do you need a, a priest continue to intercede for you? Because you're in a fleshly body that's not yet redeemed, and you need him re- continuing to intercede for you because you belong to God. And you have the leading, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. He's there to help lead you in the ways that you should walk. And also staying in the word of God that's inspired by God is what is going to really help you and I to stay on the path that we should go. We cannot avoid, we should not avoid reading the word of God because this is going to, it helps us, it instructs us, it leads us, it guides us, it illuminates the path that we should walk on and it, and his word guides us in the right direction. The Holy Spirit guides us in the direction of, of how we should walk and how we should go. And that's not always easy. And submitting to the Lordship of Christ, our flesh wants to rebel against that. Our flesh is hostile to the things of God, as the Word of God tells us. And continuously, we've got to crucify daily. We've got to crucify daily those things, to lay them down before the Lord and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us the grace that is needed. His grace is sufficient that our, our, his power is made perfect in our weakness. And in the midst of all that, it's that we're surrendering, that we are submitting, we are submitting to his 
authority to his lordship. Jesus is Lord. I'm so thankful for for also that passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, where the angel comes to the shepherd and says, I bring you tidings of great joy in verse 10 that are that's for all people. You guys, that's for us Gentiles as well. It was for the Jew and the Gentile. That's one of the great mysteries in the in the word of God. That the gospel is for the Gentiles as well. It's for all the for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David our Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah and the Lord, the Lord God. Be encouraged by this word today. Jesus is Lord. And meditate on all that that means for you as a believer in Christ. Be blessed. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.